Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thanks so much. Massive privilege to be here. As Mark mentioned, my name is Gabe Phillips, married to the beautiful Fiona for just shy of five years. We've got a little girl called Livia Grace who's 17 months old. And, uh, and I get to be a pastor here with this incredible team called Life Changes, and it's such a privilege to be here. We have started a new series called The Advancing Gospel. Last week we kicked it off, and this is a, a series for us where we are emphasizing and bringing clarity to the heart of our church, to the heart of what it means to those to be a follower of Christ, and ultimately to the heart of God for humanity. And we're saying we boil it down for th- to three things for us, because three is the maximum our brain can cope with here at Life Changes. Um, but the three things on the wall on, on our left there is reach far, Raise up, release wide. Why don't we say them together very quickly? One, two, three. You guys are amazing. Very good. And to help you remind, be remind of these things and remember, we've got a little gift we'll have to hand out to you. So the team on duty are going to run around and pass these out very quickly. These little wristbands. So bring it on, guys. And as they bring them out, these are things for your wrists. You can try to fit them around your heads if you've got a small head, but otherwise suggest to keep them around your wrists. But, um, but very good. Mark, Mark will be adding to the people who funerals are doing for free. So anyway, let's be careful. But as these are being handed out, these are just little reminders just for us. We want this to sink into our hearts. This is more than a clever uh, a thing for a church. This is the heart of God. And Mark reminded us last week as we kicked off the series by preaching Reach Far, that actually God is demanding of us that actually sometimes we, that we give up things we love for the things He loves more. Mark went on to say that it's actually not what it costs, but what it's what it's worth. And he highlighted that by that great story of the, the, the Taiwanese, uh, the kids from Thailand who were the soccer team during the FIFA World Cup who took the, the show away from all that was happening in Russia as 12 kids and their coach were trapped four kilometers underground. And uh, Elon Musk and, and the nations plowed millions of, of dollars into trying to rescue them. Somebody even gave their life and died on the rescue mission to get them. And not once did somebody say, is it really worth it? No one would want any state say that's costing too much. Why? Because it's not what it's cost, it's what it's worth. And we are saying that actually that's, that pales, the story pales into insignificance when we glimpse the heart of our Heavenly Father who said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, not His leftovers, not what He could spare, not what He thought was, ah, do they come in blonde? Oh, do I? Have? No, no, no. He gave His only Son when? When we were in darkness, when we were in brokenness, when we, the Bible tells us, when, while we were still his enemies, he gave his son for us. So Mark landed by saying, how can we be a, be a church? The only appropriate response to a gospel that has a savior, outstretched arms on the cross, is to let that get in our hearts and let it explode our little T-Rex arm Christianity that is about our self-preservation, our own ability to stay comfortable and safe, and say, would God get in our hearts that we would exist for the same thing that he beats in his heart? that those who are lost would be found. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. That's the mission of our heart. That was burns in us, and we pray it'll start to burn in you too. This morning, though, I get to push us on, and uh, we're going to move into the second facet of this, into raise up. So without saying another word, why don't you rise up onto, into your feet, onto your feet? And uh, we're going to read Scripture together this morning uh, from the book of Matthew. And it's, uh, we stand because we participate in the script together, not spectators. We're engaging with what God is saying to us as a community. So Matthew 4 verse 18 says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. 
They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray at this moment. Father, I thank you that because of you, our futures are greater than our pasts. I thank you, God, that you have more than just the status quo for us. I thank you, Father, that you would encourage every heart here that's feeling hidden and forgotten. I pray you would cover and love those who are feeling exposed and ashamed. And would you pursue those who feel far and disconnected. And I pray, God, would you awaken every single heart here to the great call of Christ Jesus for us. And I also thank you for the miracle that is the Springboks defeating the Pumas yesterday. It was some divine intervention, God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat this morning? As I've mentioned a few times, um, I met my wife, Fiona, in this church. It's a great place if you're single to meet uh, people. This is a good place to meet people in, in the house of God. And I met my wife here, and uh, from the moment I caught the first sight of her, as I walked in and I saw Fiona, I was stopped dead in my tracks. I fell in love in that moment, and it was almost like my eyes got uh, hazy as in the old, old comedy shows. And I went to a different place, and I heard the theme song, Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? And automatically, I was envisioning our wedding, and I fast-forwarded. I was there, and our six beautiful red-headed children. We were there on the beach. I was riding bareback on a horse, you know, just was incredible, with my long flowing locks and the wind. Obviously, all our kids had Factor 50 sunblock. Just, you know, this was the dream they had. And as, as I came back to reality, I realized this was going on in my head, but I had yet to say anything to her. I thought, okay, there's this awkward moment. How do we bridge the gap between my preferred future and the present reality? There was something that had to happen. And as, a, as there's a, being a pastor, there's some perks to the job. I had access to her phone number. I'm just saying. It was helpful. As I got her number, I remember that day sitting and going, I've got to, I've got to send a WhatsApp. This preferred future and the present reality needs to be met with this first engagement. So I got that WhatsApp out. And I remember thinking, okay, this is, this is got to be good. That first WhatsApp, you know, sets the tone for everything that follows. And I remember going, you know, you want to be, you want to be casual. So I said, hey there. Like, oh, that just sounds weird. No, no, delete, delete, delete. Hello, Fiona. No, no, she thinks I'm from Verymark or something. No. Okay, so I had to work that through. Then I, I started to write it and I started to realize I'm using way too many emoticons. I'm way too excited. Delete, delete, delete. Just a memo to everyone. One emoticon per message, please. Let's just stick to that. It's a good rule. Anyway, I minus those. Thought, you know, I started to run it by a friend. And he said, Gabe, you're coming off quite stalkerish. So I had to rework that, you know, get back to the drawing board, crunch up the metaphorical paper and throw it out. No, we've got to start again. And eventually I'd worked a message out that I had confidence in. But I left it unfinished for a while. Because, you know, you just you like, take faith to press send, you know. So I was like, because then it's in the lap of the gods there, you know. So we've got to be careful. So as I, as I walked, I paced up and down thinking about this message. I left it for a while. But after a while, I did what any good farmer would do. I decided for that future, I need to sow that seed and press send. And then it was gone. We're not too sure where it goes. It's still a mystery. The message, you know, it's out there somewhere. It's a mystery. And as, as I went out and found Fiona's phone, I, I remember just thinking, this is so exciting. And I waited with bated breath, looking at the phone, looking at it, and I waited. And I waited some more. 
and day turned to night, and I waited some more. What was she doing? We still do not know. And the next morning as I woke up, uh, I started to panic because the two texts were now blue, and there's been no response yet. And that's when you started to panic. You go, oh, okay, something went wrong. You started reading it again. Was this right? Did I say anything wrong? But before I went into full-blown panic, I, I, all of a sudden I looked at my phone again, and I saw the three most precious, powerful words that any redhead could ever see on his phone from a girl that he likes. It said, Fiona is typing. I want to tell you this morning, I want to preach and tell you something that every farmer knows, something that every investor knows, something that every parent knows, and something definitely that every ginger who loves a girl who's way out of his league knows, that if you want something to grow, you have to first sow. If you want something to grow, you have to first sow. Whether it's a silly WhatsApp message, whether it's a seed, whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's finances. If you want something to grow in this world, the economy of God especially is that if you want growth, you need to sow something first. So this morning, I want to give us three postures from this text that we read. That if we are going to grow and sow and be raised up into all the God that has for us, we're going to need to pick up these postures. So three things out of this text. Number one will be on the screen behind me is if we're going to sow, grow, and be raised up to all God has for us, we need to firstly lean in. Can you say that with me? Lean in. You've got to give a little bit of a lean, guys. Come on, one, two, three. Lean in. Oh, the 1030 are alive today. Worship obviously was good. What is different? It was you, oh, wow, Mark. Barry White came to town. Can you believe it? Whoa. I walked in anointing. Anyway, I've got time. I don't have time for that. Lean in. The first word from... The, the, from God incarnate to God in flesh, Jesus Christ, the first word out of his mouth along a beach when he meets 12 young men, the first word for out of his mouth, God to humanity after we've paid, turned the page of the Old Testament, the first word is not, where have you been? The first word out of Jesus' mouth is not, can I see your spiritual CV? I'm building a, a, a spiritual version of the Avengers that is going to take my church on. I need the best of the best. No, he doesn't say that. And actually, he doesn't even say, when was the last time you sinned? No, no, no. The first word out of Jesus' mouth to humanity in this, in this page is come. The first word Jesus says is come. Is he gives an invitation to lean in and press into the source of life. He walks past the unlikely. He walks past the unqualified. He walks past the excluded. And actually he says to these young guys, come. He invites them to lean in to his story. You see, Jesus is not looking for the qualified. He's looking for the available and the willing. His eyes are not looking for those who've made the grade. He's looking for those who are willing to obey and step into the call that he's got for them. Here's the amazing thing for you and I. Too often, I've heard these words come out of my mouth and actually other people's mouths, but I want to bring some correction to, to these spiritual sounding statements. We say, you know what? I really want to come for God, but I'm waiting for a breakthrough. Praying even for a breakthrough. Oh, sounds spiritual. Sounds spiritual, right? You know, we say, I'm waiting. As soon as I've overcome that sin, as God gives me breakthrough in that sin, or if God gives me breakthrough in my finances, when God gives me breakthrough in my time, or with my job, if my boss allows me to work a, leave, work a little bit earlier, then I have more space. We're waiting for breakthrough. Yeah, the, sounds spiritual, but here's the misnomer, because actually, as I read the scripture, breakthrough has come 2,000 years ago, and breakthrough is not a season or a prayer waiting to be answered. It has been answered in a person. Breakthrough is a person named Jesus Christ. He broke through where you and I would never be able to, and no amount of prayer will be able to get any more freedom or space or breakthrough. They really don't make stages like they used to. 
Let me tell you, breakthroughs in a person named Jesus. He broke through on your behalf and he opened the gates of heaven. And as the gates of heaven were rendered open and wide, never to be shut again, the declaration of heaven shouts over your life, come all who are thirsty. I'm waiting for breakthrough. No, sir, ma'am, it's already here. Breakthrough has happened. It's time to run in. His invitation is come to me. Let me tell you, this is echoed not just in Jesus' word, but in God's heart. Because as we turn back to Genesis, the book of beginnings, there was one Jewish scholar once wrote, the book of sowing seeds for what else would follow. Genesis opens up on the first page. It's not of a book of moralistic guidelines. Or the first page of, here's my plan for you, and it has a contract. Can you sign here at the bottom, Adam? Because this is what we're going to do, partnership together. No, no, no. The first page of the Bible opens up. The first scene we see of heaven and earth colliding, of humanity meeting its maker, its divine uh, orchestrator, is of Adam lying helpless, face down in the dirt, no strength to pray for any breakthrough, nothing at all, but lying face down in the, in the dirt with his maker of heaven and earth, almighty God, Yahweh, the King of kings and Lord of lords, breathing life into him. Not at a distance, not with a stick, not with when you've measured up, Adam, let me watch, see how this plays out. But from word go in the dirt, he was breathing his intimate life into Adam saying, come alive. Let me tell you, this is what I'm trying to drive at here. Is that maturity, sir, ma'am, growth in God is not spending time in church. Let me say it this way. Growth doesn't just happen by just being around church. Quit blaming the soil for your lack of growth that you're seeing in your life and start sowing some seed. Quit blaming the soil, your season, my boss, my family situation, my leaders who are not opening doors for me, my failures. Quit blaming the soil for the lack of growth you're seeing and start sowing some seed. Because his invitation remains the same. Come, come. Here at Life Changes, Discipleship, start, discipleship starts not with a program, not with a course or a track to follow, but begins by calling you and I to lean into Jesus. The way Jesus begins the discipleship program is the way we declare it to you and I. The invitation is open to anyone. Come, lean into Him. You see, why do we, why do we, influence, uh, why do we emphasize this? Is we believe that intimacy, intimacy with Jesus leads to influence. If you want influence and authority on this earth, true influence and authority, true spiritual influence and authority, Scripture gives us no other way except through intimacy with Jesus. There's no course I can sign you up for that will get you there by default. You can't bypass that thing. You, no, no, that's for those type of people. I'm not an emotional type of people. I don't care. The only way to true influence and authority is intimacy with Jesus. Responding to Him saying, come to me. How do we know this? As we see these young boys who get the call on the beach, come follow me. And they look, who? Me? Okay, cool, we'll do it. Flick a few pages on, Acts chapter 4. We find that the whole city has been turned upside down because of the teaching of these men. And the, the, the religious rulers of the day, they comment about these guys. They're so flummoxed by these young boys. Why? Because they say they are ordinary. They are unschooled. But they've been with Jesus. The only thing that seemed to have given them a leg up and given them authority to turn the whole city on his head, cause the whole city into an uproar, was they'd been with Jesus. This gives me such confidence for me and for us. Because, sir, ma'am, maybe you're ordinary. Any ordinary people here? Any unschooled people here? There's an invitation today. Don't let that disqualify you. 
Jesus is saying, come to me and watch what I'll do with your life. Uh, it happened for me this way. When I was 22, the man Wally Gersmeyer and his wife who planted this church, I was here, been here for a year and a bit. He said, Gabe, I see a future on your life, a future that was probably bigger than I could see at that time. He said, actually, I want you to come on eldership. And I thought, great news. Everyone's going to give a slow clap standing ovation when they hear this. This is going to be great. Everyone wants a redhead elder. Come on. And as uh, the response was a little bit different, I don't want to over-exaggerate it. People are very kind and very loving, and many were so positive and encouraging. But the enemy often loves to highlight the naysayer voice, the voice that is wanting to disqualify, wants to exclude. And uh, some people left the church because of this. Some people said to me, but how can you do this? You're single. You're not even married. Where's your, where's your wife? Where, where's your expertise? You haven't even been to Bible college, Nochal. And then I remember they were, the words are so reverberate, unqualified, unqualified, unqualified. And I remember sitting and I was down to preach the next week and I thought, what am I going to preach? You know, I've got to really show these guys that I'm not unqualified. So I started thinking, I need Hebrew and Greek words to litter my sermon. I need C.S. Lewis and Spurgeon quotes and even a little bit of the reformed man, Martin Luther himself, just to really get the people. Then they'll know that I'm sharp. And as I was doing this, I remember sitting outside a garage, and I, I remember God's words to me. It wasn't audible, but in my spirit, God almost saying to me, Gabe, you are ordinary. And I was like, oh, Lord, thank you, I think. He said, Gabe, you are unschooled. I'm like, mm, it's not going as I thought, Lord. I'm supposed to be encouraged here. But he said, but Gabe, you, you have been with me. You have been with me. You know me. I have called you. Not man, I have called you because you've been with me. And courage has filled my heart. Can I tell you, in this moment, I've got such confidence because when I have laid hands on sick people and seen them get better, it wasn't because of my skill in study. I want to tell you today that when I've preached and people have come to freedom, it's not because of my oratory gift. Today I want to tell you, if you're ordinary, if you're unschooled, he has an invitation to true influence and authority, lean into Jesus. You want influence and authority? Sow the seed today. Lean wholeheartedly into Jesus. Let me say it this way. Every time we worship here on a Sunday and you gather and you go, I just don't want to be here today. And they tell me to raise my hands. But you choose in faith to raise your hands and engage with Jesus. Can I tell you, you are sowing seed. You are sowing seed. When you get up early in the morning and the house is dark and the bed is warm, but you're going, I'm going to get up and I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to read scripture and battle through it. I don't fully understand it often. And nobody's ever going to ask me if I've, I'm not even going to even tweet it afterwards, believe it or not. I'm just reading it for the sake of what God has got for me. You are sowing seed. Can I tell you, when you have a panic attack and anxiety cripples you and you want to go to the, the, the outlet that you've always gone to, but you choose to turn and silently pray, no one else knows, but you're saying, God, I need you, and you lean into him, you are sowing seed. When your addiction grips you and you're going, I just want to give outlet to that, but you go, no, God, I'm going to resist the devil, and then he's going to flee from me, I'm going to lean into you, you are sowing seed. Influence and authority is growing. Jesus says, come, lean into me. Point two this morning is not just that. Jesus goes on. He says, lean in. Secondly, he says, step out. His words there says, follow me. Follow me. Now, let me tell you, when a rabbi comes to town and he calls you to follow him, it's not a suggestion. When a rabbi comes, it's not like he's giving you a spiritual save the day and say, consider it. So save the date. Get back to me in two weeks. Or it's like the spiritual equivalent of a Facebook poke. Awkward. We don't, it's communication, but we don't know what to do with it. No, no, no. That was a good joke. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. Worked on it all last night. Um, let me tell you that actually when Jesus comes to town, he says, follow me. It wasn't now some suggestion, get back to me at your own convenience. It demanded a response. Why? 
Because Jesus is obsessed with our future, not our pasts. Religion will get you looking and examining where you've been, but Jesus will always come and call you to where he's calling you to be. That's so, so much so he's so obsessed with your future that he'll always call you to a next step. He'll never leave you in passivity. He'll never leave you. His spirit will always call you to more. So when Jesus comes and says, follow me, what I love is the response of these young men, the disciples, future disciples, fishermen at this stage. It says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. There was no caucus. There was no, wait a minute, I need to sit with my father and reason out this. Or there was no, actually, Jesus could, I know you said that in the NIV version. Jesus, could you tell me what follow me says in the ESV or the Greek? No, no, no. They didn't parcel out this follow me statement and go, let's work out what it means first. No, follow me means follow me. Leave everything else. Come after me. Immediately they left their nets and followed them. Three things about obedience that leap out of this for me is number one, true obedience is immediate. So I want to ask you the question, how long is the delay before you obey? True maturity is how long is that gap? When God speaks and how long it takes you to obey. How long is the delay before you obey? Let me example it this way. It's just a hypothetical situation. No names mentioned. It might not be anyone here, but it could be. Tuesday night comes. A lady, a wife comes to her husband and says, Love, why don't you take the rubbish bins out tonight? Because the rubbish guys come early on a Wednesday morning. And this hypothetical husband, please don't imagine anyone. It could be any one of us. This hypothetical husband goes, yes, love, great idea, and changes the channel and lies back down. Goes to bed, forgets about it. The next morning, it's bright and early, it's warm in the bed. The thought comes, ooh, it's Wednesday, rubbish day. My wife is still sleeping. I can still do it, and she'll think I did it last night. Sneak out the bed. Mission Impossible theme song gets on. Leopard crawl out down the stairs, undo the, the alarm. Hypothetical situation, no names mentioned. And, uh, and then as, as you get, you disalarm the arm, you get out, you move those, you try and sneak. But as you're sneaking, you start realizing you have to pick up the pace because you hear that truck start to come down the road. And fear grips you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And you're trying to keep quiet because you don't want to disturb, you know, hypothetical situation, of course. And, uh, and then you get outside, and as you put the trash out there, you see the rubbish bin guy go past. And you're going, do I yell? But then I'll wake up the wife. It's a problem moment. It's a stressful moment. And then when you get back into bed and your wife says, did you put out the rubbish? You go, I did put it out. I want to ask you, how long is the delay before you obey? Because as I read scripture, I want to tell you, delayed obedience is disobedience. We experts at this. I don't know about you, but I say things like this all the time. I'll, I'll give next month when I get that increase. I'll give when, when there's not that huge financial pressure on me. I'll, I'll confess next time. Now, now if it's awkward because I brought that friend with me. I'll confess. It's not an awkward moment. I'll, I'll pray for that person at work when not one, no one else is around. How long is the delay before you obey? Secondly, as we look at this, true obedience is not just immediate. It's complete. I've said things like this. I'll obey, but only halfway. So a friend came to me the other day and said, Gabe, you know, I've been battling with pornography, and I want to confess. And I said, well done, man. That's amazing. First step in the battle, confessing it is incredible. And I said, are you desperate for freedom? I'm desperate for freedom. I said, tell me about your struggle. It's on my smartphone. I said, every time on my smartphone, just alone, it just, that's, I can't control it. So I said, he has a suggestion. Trade that cell phone in, sell it, 
Buy yourself a good old Nokia 3310. Snake 2 is awesome, firstly. And secondly, you'll have access to phone calls and messages, but not to the internet. Just take that temptation away. He said to me, no, couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. Eh? No, 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 no. Who will, like, how, who will update my Instagram account? <laughs> like, come on, buddy. Obviously, there's something not, that hasn't gripped your heart there because actually true obedience is complete. Obedience doesn't look for a loophole or a technicality. It doesn't look for a different version of Scripture to justify the sin I'm in. It doesn't ver- look for another way around the, the lukewarm passivity in my heart. True obedience is complete. Finally, I want to tell you about obedience. True obedience is not just immediate, it's complete, but it's also costly. Now, I've said this, I'll obey as long as there's little price to pay. Let me tell you, I've heard these prayers, and I've prayed them probably myself. But you know when you say this in desperation, God, use me, Lord. Three weeks later, you're going, I'm leaving that church. I just feel so used. Or somebody on their knees going, God, use me as a bridge for your gospel. I just feel like people are walking all over me. Just it's terrible. Let, let me tell you, actually, there's always going to be a price to pay. Obedience to step out is always costly. The man Bill Johnson says this quote that I love. He says, I hesitate to warn of the cost of fully seeking his face. Not because a price doesn't exist. It costs everything. I hesitate because the reality is that what a person gets in return makes the price we pay embarrassingly small by comparison. That's a great segue for me to tell you that our obedience sowed in faith leads to a future we could never manufacture on our own. Obedience is a seed that goes in the soil that God says, thank you, watch what I'll do with it. Obedience leads to future. I say it this way, you've no idea what God can set into motion through one simple act of obedience. You have no idea what God can set into motion with just one simple act of obedience. By faith, Abraham left. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Hebrews 11, 8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed and left the land he was in with no future secure. He just obeyed and left the land to go to a land that he had no clue about and to just, just trust God. Let me tell you the great news is that man left with no faith, but he see, with no future and secure, but he sowed the seed of obedience. He left as Abraham and came back as Abraham, a father of many nations. No natural plan, no natural discipleship track could manufacture that. Obedience alone opens up that. Obedience leads to future. I, I say it often, but when I was a teenage boy, racked with insecurities, addictions, moved to Durban, no friends. And, and as I arrived there, uh, I was wrestling with this, this, this addiction of pornography. And I remember praying, praise God, I want a future. Use me, God. I want a big future. I want a big future. And I was wishing God would answer, Gabe, thank you. And I'd fall on the floor. God would rip the addiction out of me and I'll get up and go, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm ready to go. I wish, I wish we could line you all up and you start say, what's your problem? Sin, bam, done. What's your problem? Financial act, bam, done. I wish, it'll be so much easier. It'll be so much, these services would be 10 minutes. Be quick. But here's the thing, Jesus, when, when I pray that, God, God, pray that prayer, God, I, I want a future. I want a big future. He responded with this, follow me. Follow me which demanded me to obey, which demanded confession, demanded me to open myself up to people and go, I don't know what this is going to do. I can't manufacture this future. This might actually possibly disqualify me from that future. This might marginalize me for a while from that future. But actually, God, I'm going to sow seed into the soil to trust you for that future because obedience always leads to future. I thank God again for my wife 
but I thank God for the, the, the friends who led her to the Lord on a, on a school field at Nisner during break time. And I thank God that they could have used the excuse again and again. You know what? It's, it's, it's not ideal. There's lots of stuff going on. There's no keyboard in the background. It's not a spiritual moment. Let's not share our faith now. I thank God that they overcame that in obedience. They shared their faith with Fiona, not knowing how Fiona would respond, not knowing how that soil would receive that seed, but they sowed in obedience. And on the other side of that obedience, Fiona finds the Lord. She comes to faith. She meets me here. My life is different. My child's life is different. Our family's lives are different. Her mom's life is different. And this church's life is different. And yet I don't believe the story is finished because the seed was sown in Neisner. Let me say today, lean in, step out. And finally, Jesus says this in the third way. He says, raise up. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. From the get-go, I love this. Jesus does not leave us in a moment's quandary whether this thing is all about us. From the first line of invitation, he says, this story is going somewhere and it's bigger than just you. Let me say it this way. I don't know about you, you've been to a, a party and you see a lot of, there's one of those splash pools and there's a lot of little cute kids and they're splashing around. It's so cute, so cute, you know, a little ankle deep water splashing around. What would be weird and mortifying would be if the, the hairy 45-year-old took off his shirt, put on a Speedo and jumped in that splash pool with them. So I do the breaststroke. It's like, kids, out the water. Why? Because actually that man was not made for a splash pool, he was made for the ocean. He was made for a big body of water and actually possibly not a speedo, just as an aside. But what I'm saying is that actually maturity is a journey somewhere. With my baby, Olivia Grace, it is right and good that for in this season of our lives, our whole lives as parents are wrapped around her. It is right and good in the sense of our calendars, our lives. It's right and good that when she cries, we respond. It's right and good that we actually say, oh, we're going to put our, we're going to sometimes move some things around because of her, her eating schedule and her nap time. It's right and good because that's the season we're in. Let me tell you what's not right and good is if when she becomes a teenager, we're still doing that. Because as a teenager, yes, we'll still inconvenience ourselves. We'll still go to dance recitals. We'll still have to say no to things to be at a sporting game. But actually, for me as a parent, it's my, my, my parenting skills are going to be shown by, is she now contributing to the home? Is she making the table? Is she, is she making her bed? Is she actually giving, going to sleep a little bit earlier to give mom and dad some time alone? Just a thought. Just prophesying. Is she, is she starting to contribute to the home? I want to say, actually, my joy as a parent and my job has been given a well done is when actually when she's become a parent herself and she is being inconvenienced for her child and she is laying her life down and giving to her child. You see, that's the journey of discipleship. Actually, it's okay. It's great for us to rejoice when we are, when we are, when, it's, when God is doing stuff with us, but actually the journey does not end. You're not fully mature until you've become a fisher of men. I thought that would go down better. Ezekiel 47 gives us a well-worn text in church circles of a prophetic vision of the prophet Ezekiel who sees a, a river coming out of, from the throne of God, from the throne of grace, and it's coming out like a trickle. And as, as, as the angel of the Lord takes Ezekiel on this journey, he says, Ezekiel, take a step away, take a step further. As you go further, it's going to get deeper and deeper to his ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, over his head, and he's fully submerged. And this picture is there. And actually, the, why, what captivates us about this picture, what we're learning, is that actually true depth is not measured by what happens here on a Sunday. 
we had a deep service. That preaches deep. Now, that's great. We want to worship hard because we want to lean into Jesus. We want to preach well so we can equip people to be all that God has got there for them. But actually, if you're wanting to a measuring stick of how deep you are as a Christian, it's not time in church. It's not how deep your church meetings are. It's actually what happens out there. Because according to that vision, the water gets deeper the further away from the source it walks. It gets deeper into the influential lives, in the influence of our lives. Death is not measured by Sunday. It's measured what happens by you and I on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Are we still living for ourselves or are we starting to live for others? Let me say it this way. Maturity is shown when you're sowing into the soil of other people's lives. Maturity is shown when we start to sow into the soil of other people's lives. Some stories to land. There's a girl named Mary Yeager in our church. She leads the Life Kids at Milnerton. She serves in the Life Kids and behind the scenes is not in the services most Sundays. And uh, when we go up to the call conference last week to Pretoria, I'm so excited because I'm like, oh, it's like a weekend where we just can just relax and receive. Just worship. I don't have to preach. Someone else is preaching. Wonderful. It's going to be amazing. Then I look around. And I say, where's Mary? She's serving in the kids' ministry in Pretoria. I go up to her and say, Mary, 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 Mary. I said, Mary, don't you, don't you, why, don't you want to be in a sermon? She said, she said, Gabe, I'll listen to a sermon in the week, and I'll be fed then. That's great. So she says, you know what? Right now, I'm sowing into the futures of other people's lives. I was like, Mary, you should lead the church. Just Mary, just, a, just a Mary, someone who's got it. There's, a, there's another person named A.J. Nolan uh, in his mid-20s. He spent the majority of his mid-20s when everyone else is using, in that same age bracket, is using their spare finance, their spare time, and their spare every energy to go and have a jaw. No, it's my time, they'll say. Come on, you know, I've got to just go for it. You know, there's other times where I can settle down, but now it's about me. A.J. Nolan has used his spare money, his spare time, his spare energy to on every Friday to be uh, ferrying kids, teenagers from home to youth, and then later from youth back to their homes all around Tableview and the surrounding areas. This young man in his mid-twenties is investing in the future. That man is a man who's walking into maturity. I'll tell you about another lady, Jeannie George, who's, who's a little bit older and in her, in her mid to late sixties, and her home every week has opened up for a life group. When her husband was sick and, and, and ill health, she was still visiting sick people, other sick people. She was still opening a home again to other events and other uh, moments of the church. Yesterday, she hosted a baby shower for a girl who's not really one of her best friends, but just somebody that she wants to invest in. She hosted at her expense at her home. And I look at her and I say, this is somebody who's sowing seed into other people's soil. I thank God for people who do that for me. When I was in grade five, uh, a children's church in Zimbabwe, not, I was reluctant going there, dragged there by mom and dad. But there was a man named Jed Demblon who for a year used to teach and make Christianity cool. The first guy I saw make it look cool. And he just like, he loved us and he, and he would share scriptures with us and it was just incredible. But when I went from grade seven to grade eight and to high school and about to go to an all boys school of 1,500 boys, my knees knocking, nervous, the hat too big, the, the clothes just not fitting and feeling, how am I going to make it here? This man had immigrated to England a few years before but he picked up the phone and he phoned me on my first day of high school and with a couple of other people he phoned as well and said, Gabe, just phone you all the way from England to say, I believe in you. You've got a big future. You've got nothing to be scared of. You're going to make a massive mark on that high school. I believe in you, bud. He put the phone down. I tell you what did in my heart. Swelled my heart. So I said, if that guy can remember me, come on. I thank God for Jed Demler who sowed seeds even when I wasn't responding to Christ yet, was sowing seeds. I thank God when I was 15, I arrived in Durban. And as I arrived in Durban, 
uh, I get there, no friends, battling with insecurities, addictions. And along comes a man named Michael Silius, four years my senior. And uh, he has, um, he comes to me and says, Gabe, what, what, what are your hobbies? Because he sees I, I've got no friends and he's trying to pull me into community there. And I said, I love to play golf. And Michael says, you know what? Me too, which I later found out was a lie. Because he went and bought golf clubs that day. I found out on the first tee that he did not play golf. Whoa. But I, what I loved about that man was that man went to his own experience at 19 years old, went and bought golf clubs, would drive across the city, pick me up, take me to golf most Saturdays, play golf with me, spend time with me, take me home, take, give me lifts to to and fro church, became my first friend in Durban, and ultimately would lead me to the people that would lead me to Christ. I thank God for that man who sowed seeds at his expense. I thank God for on the day, the, the couple days before I moved to Cape Town to come and start, start the youth group here, leaving my mom and dad, leaving everyone I knew in Derbs, and for, for a 21-year-old, knees knocking, nervous again. Is this really God? Is this what God's got for me? And as I was about to leave and fearful, uh, a family phone and says, Gabe, we've got a gift for you that we'd love to give you before you go. And I was like, that's great. And they arrived expecting a little aero chocolate or something. They arrived and they said, Gabe, here's what we want to give you. They gave me a set of keys and said, this is our car. It's our spare car that we want to give you. We'll inconvenience ourselves and our family. So do you have a vehicle you can drive there and you can be mobile? I was thinking, I'm riding a bike till I'm 30. That's what I thought in my head at that time. But they said, we so believe in your future. We're willing to give up something now for you. I thank God for those people who invested and sowed seeds into the soil of my life. Because I tell you, you'll never hear them preach a sermon. Those three men, you won't hear preach sermons. But I tell you, they've preached very loudly in my life and sowed seeds that I pray that are having an impact greater than the seed they sowed because of their faithfulness. This morning, can we stand to our feet? I strongly feel this morning, I, I strongly feel that many of us are holding seeds in our hand. We're holding seeds in front of us. Seeds that of potential influence. That God is saying, will you sow them into intimacy? Lean into me. We're holding them. That we're holding seeds of potential future. Seeds of obedience. And God is saying, will you sow them in obedience? I think so many of us are holding seeds today of, of legacy. Potential legacy. And he's saying, sow them into people around you. But I, I really felt God to say today, as I was driving back here from Milnerton, that say, you, you look and you see seeds. And I want to tell you, you are holding trees. You're holding forests. Maybe it sounds cheesy and the, should belong on a Facebook meme. But I, I think I pray above that, that actually God is going to transform our, the way we see the small acts of obedience that God is calling us to on this journey, to the potential that he has for us. So let's pray.